Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is it. This is the, the point of no return. We're going to be talking about messed up things and dark things and horror culture, scary things. So uh, there will be discussions about uh, anything from ch- uh, murder, rape, child abuse, bad language, all that fun stuff, if that's all your fun stuff and your cup of tea. Otherwise, go listen to something else boring. Go away. Yeah. But if you do want to hear that, tune in. Today's guest is Ashen Jackal, director, editor, and cinematographer, best known for his YouTube channel with all kinds of awesome stuff there, and shorts like Akamanto and The Red Room Curse. And I had never heard of Akamanto before, and I gotta say, that is an awesome idea. I've been trying to think of stories like that recently, like something that would be semi-commonplace around around the world, and, and the whole just being in a bathroom, either a public bathroom, or like you said, like a, a large enough house party, and there's a knock at the door. That's... It's some, just something that happens to you in a day-to-day life that you could turn into something scary. I like that. Anyway, rant over. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, how's everyone hey. doing? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> so in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, your teenage years, and adulthood. Um, we come at it from these multiple directions just because doing so sometimes triggers memories that you'd forgotten, but that's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, just say pass and we'll move on. Um, but starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Uh, well, I've always been afraid of ghosts and okay. thus the dark has kind of always terrified me. Mm-hmm. And my father was the type of person who he would, if it bothered me, he would ensure it would happen. (laughs) (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if I wanted a nightlight or like a fan in my room to help keep me calm or something, you know, forget about that. You're sleeping in the cold, quiet, dark. (laughs) So, uh, why are you tacking up large black blankets over the windows? (laughs) You wanted light. (laughs) Sink or swim. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's good method. Yeah, but uh, so like I always had this kind of innate fear of ghosts. And uh, as I grew up, uh, it became more evident why, because I'm somebody who has had a lot of experiences with ghosts in in my life. And I know a lot of people don't believe in them, and that's perfectly fine. It's better not to believe in them if you don't have to deal with stuff like that. But uh, for me, you know, as a kid, a lot of stuff happened to me kind of traumatized me and then as you grow older and you learn to compartmentalize things uh you know you learn how to sort through it and uh, it becomes less scary mm-hmm. um well again just focusing on childhood um at, at the moment at least what were some of the scary things that um that happened if you want to you talk know, about them. now here's the thing uh my childhood is a bit of a blur okay Uh, I don't remember too many specific things. Probably one of the biggest, scariest things to ever happen to me as a kid that I can still remember that I haven't sort of blocked out yet was (laughs) I watched Prince of Darkness at a a pretty young age. And that movie scared the crap out of me. Um, I was afraid to go near mirrors after (laughs) after watching that movie, that cold end where he goes to touch the mirror and then they cut off before you can see what's going to happen. 
Oh my goodness. That was, uh, that was really terrifying. Uh, the, the other stuff that happened to me as a kid, um, would mostly be at night in the dark and I would just like hear things uh, moving and I don't hear whispers and stuff like that. And it never amounted to anything. And of course, when I was a kid, I would do the hide under the blanket because that's mm. going to protect me from whatever's out there. Thing, <laughs> Right. Like, isn't, isn't there a, a certain irony to that? Like you're, you're afraid of the dark. So you get under the blanket, which is still in the dark. <laughs> and if anything, even more so in the dark, I, I guess it's your own personal isolated darkness. So it's better. Somehow. Now, now imagine somebody who has, uh, dealt with that as a child hiding under the blankets to stay away from ghosts now imagine going to see the american version of the grudge and then <laughs> having that one scene where she comes out from under the blanket the one place you're supposed to be safe <laughs> right. and grabs the girl screaming under the blanket into you know the ghosty abyss i guess I think that's exactly why they went with that. I don't know. Maybe it was in the original Japanese story, but I, I don't recall it being. Well, no, I, I, they might have done that in the original. Actually, it was just, you know, not quite as stylized. I don't think. Yeah, but still, that's a, a way of uh, breaking that boundary. Like, like nowhere is safe. Like, oh, you think under the covers is safe? No, they're there, too. And then, of course, they came out with the sequel and the uh, the kids like hiding in a, a hoodie <laughs> and she's inside of the hoodie and snatches him. And at that point, it's like laughable. It's like I've given up on being afraid of this. It's like the puddles in Poltergeist 3. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd forgotten all about that until you mentioned that. Yeah, they were in a building yeah. in that one. It was in mirrors. Yeah. Lots of them. Um. Did you have anybody in your life who was a fan of horror, uh, friends, family, relatives at that age? I still don't have many people in my <laughs> life that are a fan of horror. It's like impossible to find people. I, I don't understand. But uh, yeah, I've never really had people around that enjoy horror. I, For me, it's always, you know, like ever since I was a kid, I just sort of found it. That was sort of my escapism. You know, some people, I, obviously I'm, I'm into comic books and stuff like that too, but the first thing I was into was like horror movies and stuff to kind of get through life, I guess. <laughs> uh, the things that you were talking about a minute ago, the, whether it's paranormal uh, experiences or Prince of Darkness and, and things like that, did any of those experiences uh, trigger any lasting behaviors in your life? Like uh, uh, phobias or uh, OCD? No, no. Um, it's more like a roller coaster ride, you know, after you realize, you know, after you grow up a little bit from being a little kid that's just been traumatized or horror movie and you realize that it's it's more of a thrill uh, watching something like that because uh -huh. you're going on this journey and you're going to survive, then it either becomes interesting or it becomes thrilling. And so that's kind of how I've always felt about horror and scary things that happen to me, even even later in my life, when I would see full on apparitions and stuff, I was more interested than anything else. That kind of ties in with the next thing I wanted to ask you, which was, so for a lot of kids, there's like, there's like a, a line that gets crossed where usually, or at least often the first experiences of horror really are scary. And then later experiences, you end up understanding that they're meant to be entertainment, but maybe the first things that you see aren't, you don't understand that. And I was going to ask where was there a dividing line for you or was it always um, entertainment from the very start? Like, how did that work out for you? Well, after 
<laughs> after surviving Prince of Darkness, uh, it was pretty much, you know, viewed more as entertainment after that. I would still get some things would still skeeve me out. I remember when Blair Witch came out mm-hmm. and they built this up as like a real event. Mm-hmm. And they did that whole like thing where they were playing it off as actual, you know, not not some kind of fake event, but sort of like something that's just been released to the public. Right. And when I saw that the first time, uh, that kind of freaked me out a little because that sort of blurred the line. But aside from that, you know, horror has been just sort of a thrill ride for me. Did you see Blair Witch in your early years or teen years? Where would you classify that? Well, uh, I was born in 84. So whenever that came out, (laughs) you know, I I don't remember uh, exactly when it was. I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. Okay. So like on the cusp border, maybe. Yeah. Um, did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Oh, all the time. I loved Halloween. I still love Halloween. My daughter loves Halloween, you know. So. Favorite costume? So. Oh, man. Uh, when I was a kid, I, you know, of course, I would love to dress up as a, a ninja. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ninjas were really big in the 80s, you know, uh, and the early super, 90s. Super Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, Ninja no, Turtles, no, like I Ninja Turtles were fine and all, but I was into like there was a bunch of ni- uh, Ninja movies out back then, like American Ninja oh, yeah, and all this too, type yeah. of stuff. I was really into that genre, you know, the like sort of Japanese American Ninja hybrid movies. Oh, so did you go horrible. with like the the classic uh, Black Ninja outfit, or was it like American White Ninja? Yeah, no, the classic Black Ninja outfit. I've always been a little tubby, so <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to wear the one that was a little bit more, more forgiving. Yeah, black is a slimming color. Yeah. yeah, but I always noticed that. Like they, it's, I don't know. I guess things like that weren't thought of as uh, more taboo back then, or, or whatever. But uh, they'd always have like the white dude, the standard white guy who knows no martial arts, but he fakes it well enough, and he was always the one who wore the white ninja outfit or like the red ninja outfit. It's like, yeah, you don't get the black one. <laughs> It's like G.I. Joe Snake. Like, right. on retrospect, those movies were terrible, but as a young, you know, like, slightly preteen or, or teen. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, they were something to behold. You know, people flipping around and fighting and explosions, mm-hmm. you know, why not, right? Right. Yeah. Did you have a least favorite costume? Uh, there was one year where I just kind of threw some stuff together. It was around the end of me going trick-or-treating personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I called it the guy who hits Pikachu with a pan. And I just put on some <laughs> random face paint and like a clown wig. And I had a Pikachu doll and I, I had a pan and I would just hit it with the pan. And they're like, is this a character from a show? And I'm like, no, it's not a character from a show. I just, Jimmy you know, I just made it up. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I got this Pikachu here. I'm going to hit it with a pan. What do you got? Give me the candy. Yeah. <laughs> So that was uh that was the last like that was the last hurrah of trick or treating for me. <laughs> okay. Did you last have Did you have any reoccurring dreams when you were a kid? Uh, there was this one dream I had where there was this house on a hill and everything was always very happy. There was an old woman there and I would go to visit her and I would feel so happy I I knew I was in a dream and I would tell her that I don't want to wake up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back out into the world. I want to stay here with you. And, uh, that, you know, that one I had probably three, four or five times, something like that. The the last time it it felt so powerful when I, and when I woke up, I was so disappointed. And then after that, yeah, I never had the dream again. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Anything you want to talk about in terms of what 
you maybe were feeling like you wanted to escape from or something? Like in real life? I mean, my life was kind of crap (laughs) growing (laughs) up. So, uh, you know, pretty much that's, I guess that's why horror has always been escapism to me because I always felt like a monster. So Mm. I could empathize with, uh, you know, all these monsters going around killing all these people who've had it way too easy in life. That's kind of interesting. Why, why did you feel like the monster? Because I was treated like one. Oh, wow. It's almost like they were trying to make me into one. But Mm. when it came to my mother and my father, I grew up saying, I'm not going to be like them. I'm going Mm. to be better than them. It was one Mm. of those ones where, you know, you could have easily have taken on the personality traits of your parents and become a terrible person. Mm. But instead I chose to uh, be better than them and try to accomplish more in my life. So, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Nice twist. Um, That's why, um, you guys ever seen the movie Tetsuo, the Iron Man, Tetsuo Body Hammer, Tetsuo Bullet Man, any of those movies? Seen the first one. I still need to watch the other two. Yeah. So in the first one, it's uh it's it's a metaphysical film. The movie is actually about the director and the abuse he suffered as a child. And, you know, he's turning into this metal machine as a coping mechanism for everything that he's been through. Right. And then at the end of the film he destroys the world him and his uh, his brother sort of fuse together and they set out on a mission to destroy the world so that was his statement at that point in his life mm. then you go on to the second movie and he has a family it's basically the same story being told over again but this time uh the main character has a family and in the film you know he he's given this ultimate power to destroy the world and everything and he does but the people to survive are him and his family. And then the third movie, once again, retells the same story, but a little different main protagonist has a family, right? And um, the one thing you'll notice in each of these films is the director is also the antagonist. He views himself as the monster. Mm. And uh, in the third movie, uh, they fuse together and the protagonist accepts the fact that that monster lives inside of him and moves on with life without destroying everything. Mm. He lives with his family and he lets the world be and just becomes a better person for the experience. So, you know, like that's one of the things that I've always like that trilogy in particular. I've always like you can see him recreating who he is in every single new film that he's been through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and that mirrors the kind of struggle and choices and stuff that I went through, you know, from being angry about everything to getting in a relationship and then to having a family and, you know, realizing that I have to be the strong one, regardless of, you know, what I've been through and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it's just pretty cool that you can see, you know, somebody like that, a director, um, Shinya Tsukamoto, uh, putting out stuff like that. That's very personal, although you can view it from an, you don't have to view it that way. You don't have to view it from the metaphysical sense. You can just accept it as a story, but then again, you can, you know, dig deep and realize that this is a deep and personal, you know, story he's telling and retelling and retelling every phase in his life. Hmm. Yeah. It's like an autobiographical metaphor almost. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you've mentioned a couple different things from um, Japanese culture. Did you get introduced that in your childhood or did that come later in teen years? I had, when I was uh, pretty young, I, I had a Japanese friend and that really interested me in, in Japanese culture because it was so different. And then I went on to study the language in school and study uh, a lot of aspects of Japanese culture because I was always interested in going over there. I'm a little bit into anime, but not like super into it there. Cause I'm like really particular about what I watch, but yeah. um, you know, so there's all that. Um, and of course you, one thing that I love is the, the different mythologies, the urban legends that uh, have been created in the past and the future and finding out about that, just really inspiring mm -hmm. to see how they develop their urban legends and how they're different from like the stuff we create here in America. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything scary happened to you in real life that you can remember in your childhood? <laughs> Get hit by a car, you know, kind of thing. Let's see. There's maybe some of the paranormal encounters you you mentioned. <laughs> there, there has been that didn't happen so much in my childhood though. I was like scaredy cat okay. back then. But in mm -hmm. my childhood, I almost died three times. Oh. One time I was at the top of a staircase at my grandmother's house and I was literally about one or two steps down and this was a big staircase. I slipped mm -hmm. because it was a, a carpeted staircase. Uh -huh. I flipped head over heels and then back down to my feet and I landed at the bottom on your feet. And I have no idea how I did a perfect flip like that head over heels <laughs> flip and landed on my feet at the bottom. So that was pretty freaky. Mm -hmm. uh, the second time I almost died was I was on a bicycle at the top of the hill in that same house because there's a huge hill that led straight down. The cars would scrape every time they would go up the driveway because it was so steep. Mm -hmm. And I slipped one day while I was going to get on the bike. My stomach landed on the bicycle and I went speeding down the hill and a car was coming Burling ahead and uh i'm like oh my god i'm dead right this car mm -hmm. is just gonna hit me <laughs> they're not gonna see me speeding down a hill and uh, whatever but fortunately the car did stop and then i hit the road bounced up and then flew into a tree <laughs> and uh, and i survived <laughs> and my friend uh who's at the top of the hill came running down laughing at me and the guy in the car was like is everyone okay <laughs> right you and your friend you're laughing your asses off and the guy in the car is like what is happening why why are you laughing <laughs> well, literally the whole world was spinning because i went flying off this bike. but uh so i didn't know i didn't know if i was going to be alive mm -hmm. or dead or whatever everything was just motion you know mm -hmm. now the third time i was coming home with my grandparents uh we had gone to the beach and we were coming home and i was sitting in the back seat and I was playing Pokemon on my old Game Boy, you know, like first gen Game Boy. And uh, this highway has just two roads, one going this way and one going that way. And as we're driving, I get this weird sensation, like my spider sense was tingling, right? Mm -hmm. So I look up and I see the grill of a semi about to come crashing into us mm -hmm. maybe uh 10 15 feet from the front of our car 
No way, no way we could avoid this. We are going to die. To our left was another semi that was going to pass. And so it could not swerve to the left back into that lane. It was about halfway across that semi. So it couldn't get back to the left. I, I guess it was trying to pass the semi and maybe it didn't notice us or whatever the case was going to be. And so I look up and everything's moving in like slow motion. My grandmother reaches across the car and grabs my grandfather's arm and says, that's it. And uh, as we're about to be, you know, run over, flattened by this semi, it it just vanishes. And all of us saw it. All of us knew that this was going to be the end. And even in my own head, I felt comfort in knowing that my time here was over. There was nothing more I had to worry about. And it was actually one of the most comforting experiences I ever had in my whole life. I felt like it's over. My job is done. And now I can go and be happy. And I felt at peace knowing that I was about to, you know, be removed from this mortal coil. But then it didn't happen. The semi vanished. We looked back. It wasn't behind the other one. It didn't swerve off the road. Uh, it just was gone. So many years later, you know, we, we've discussed, we discussed this <laughs> mm -hmm. because all of us experienced it. We're like, you guys saw that, right? And I'm not crazy. Yeah. yeah like there's group hallucinations and, and then there's group near death experiences. That's, that is something yeah. else. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, uh, many years later on TV, you know, there wasn't really internet at the time yet. Uh, we, my grandmother put on this show about road hauntings and about how people stuff like this happens mm -hmm. where uh, tragedies reenact themselves. And then, you know, and then the ghost haunting disappears, you know, it's not, it's not an intelligent haunting. It's just an event playing itself over and over again. Like, you know, like any haunted house where you would hear footsteps every single night at the same time or, or, you know, whatever stuff like that. So as far as I know, that may have been some kind of a haunting or we could go into the more sci-fi direction, which is a theory I've developed about, you know, multiple dimensions. And if you die in one dimension, you know, you're still alive in another and your consciousness just sort of scoots over to there where you haven't died yet. Mm. Um, but, you know, you could take that in whatever direction you want. Right. <laughs> But anyway, that's just, you know, that's what I went through. I thought I was done for, and it turned out I wasn't. That's some weird, scary shit. Definitely. Yeah. 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 That's, that's not the scariest stuff. That was just, it was impactful, but there has been some <laughs> really scary stuff that's um, happened to in me. In your childhood or later on in life? No, no, not my childhood. Okay. So we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for uh, teenagers, uh, what were some of the scary s stories or books or movies that uh, really influenced you in your teenage years? Uh, well, with my teenage years, things sort of quieted down on the front of uh, paranormal activity from when I was a kid. Okay. I started, you know, like just kind of ignoring whatever. Uh, but when I, in my teenage years, probably the thing that freaked me out the most was, um, the grudge and the ring, those two movies like were really impactful for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what especially, especially the grudge just because it was so vague about where these people were being taken and about the mystery surrounding the house. And, 
just thinking about like evil spirits in that light. Like I've never thought when I would think about ghosts, you know, I, (laughs) I would just sort of put them out of my mind. But now I have this movie here showing me, Hey, you know, maybe your fears about these things in the past were justified. (laughs) So (laughs) that really kind of, uh, that, that movie really kind of shook me up. I'm guessing because now they might actually do something rather than just scare you. Exactly. Like I never thought about them as being able to do something after I got used to kind of having them around or whatever. Mm. So they've been playing nice so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it all depends on where you go and, and, and stuff like that. You know, different, mm. some houses are clean. Some houses are very dirty and, uh, easily accessible to spirits. So, uh, you never know exactly what you're going to get. And eventually down mm-hmm. the line, when I, when I was in my twenties, I did experience something that was pretty hardcore, but <laughs> you know, at this point in my life, I, no, nothing like that had done anything significant to me. And, um, mm-hmm. but that, the, that film sort of <laughs> made me a little more edgy. Planted the seed. About the, yeah. About, about <laughs> the things I would see in here, whatever. Mm-hmm. What about the ring? The ring sort of played off on the fears of that, you know, like really the grudge was the prime thing that made me afraid, but the, uh, the ring really played on those same fears with like the haunted VHS tape and ghosts killing people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, curses and all that kind of stuff. I, I never even really considered curses or anything like that until I, watched the the grudge and and the ring and then i'm like oh curse curses death curses uh, that's something that i hadn't even considered before <laughs> so mm-hmm. they follow you you know yeah anything else jump out to you besides the ring and the grudge uh not as far as things that scared me very few things scare me um okay uh, by this time i was really into horror so it's like you know i was just jaded about feeling actually afraid of anything. So when I did hit those two movies, once again, it reignited that roller coaster of fear. I felt back when I saw a Prince of darkness, it was the first time anything really got to me since then. And I think it really played on my existing fears of ghosts and stuff from before. So it hit a little too close to home for me. Okay. Um, to kind of look at the other side of the coin, then were there anything in your teen years that, uh, didn't scare you, but that you were enjoying in horror. Oh, everything. I, I loved everything in horror. Uh, I was like watching top three things that come to your mind. Evil dead would have to mm-hmm. be one of my top three. Uh, Tetsuo, the iron man would be one of my top three. Mm. And the third one, I, I don't know. They're just so probably, I don't know. I don't know what the third one would be. Those two were the big influences on me. Everything okay. else yeah. kind of plays second fiddle to those two films and their influence on me. Okay. Well, we already kind of talked about uh, Tetsuo. What about, um, what'd you like about Evil Dead? Evil Dead was a real grassroots type of a movie. It did a lot with a little. You could see how it's not clean and not, you know, perfect, not pristine done. And what they accomplished with that movie, you know, like people were wearing, men were wearing wigs in order to be women that couldn't be on the set that day, all that kind of stuff. And you find out about all the strife behind this movie and you see the finished product and it's just very memorable, especially the camera angles that 
Sam Raimi did, uh, you know, really bringing that movie to life, just very creative. And that, that's why that movie stands out so much. And that was the movie that really inspired me to want to be a horror film director because it just seems so, uh, it seems so real, you know, so every, every man, so, you know, like a real passion project, somebody with nothing going out there and putting what they could out for everyone to see and having the, maybe not necessarily be the cleanest, most pretty film, but you know, the passion behind it comes out and that's what really is addictive about that movie. In my opinion, like the, the feel of it, the energy behind it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. It has that, uh, an almost personal grindhouse feel to it. Like, I don't know, not Hollywood. I can't think of a way to describe it. As far away from Hollywood as you can get. Yeah. yeah. Almost found footage before found footage was found footage. Maybe, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did have that real sort of documentary kind of feel to it in 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 uh, places. Um, let me jump back up to childhood for a minute because I realized that it, I forgot to ask that same question for childhood. In childhood, were there other uh, horror related things that maybe you didn't mention that you were more focused on your enjoyment of them rather than fear of them? Um, so after Prince of Darkness. I really got into the aliens and the predator films. I had a friend who was into them and he had action figures and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were some of the, uh, aside from Prince of darkness, they were some of the first movies that I got into that were horror or rated or even Mm sci-fi for that matter. So what was it you liked um, about those? I don't know. They, they were cool. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't necessarily scary for me. They were just like really cool. Like, the first alien movie it it had so much atmosphere to it and i wasn't i don't know it's like after prince of darkness it was probably the most atmosphere i had seen in a movie since that and just this the claustrophobic nature of it and everything just really cool and uh you know and and oddly enough the the third alien movie which is pretty much everyone's least favorite turned out being my favorite and is even still my favorite to this day. Not because it's the Same. best one made, but because of the, the, like the characters and the environment and all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? Thank you. Yes. I am also a fan of three. I know everybody hates it because they killed off Newt and, uh, and Hicks in between the two films, but it was different. Plus. Yeah. It, just it the was whole... meant to be the end. And so in was, the yeah. end, everyone dies that's the thing i don't think audiences were expecting like this is the end nobody lives happy Mm -hmm. everyone dies the story ends you know yeah it brought just ripping those two babies off yeah yeah real quick it brought the horror uh, back to the to the series after the action second one this one Mm -hmm. was like this one's real this one's going to get down to the nitty-gritty the weapons are gone people are going to be slaughtered and the one thing I always found hilarious about that film is there's this one prisoner who made a deal with God to live mm-hmm. forever. And in the end of the movie, he's the only one to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought, I always thought that was a pretty interesting touch, you know, like this one guy mentions it, like I made a deal with God <laughs> and and then like, he's the one to leave at the end. So. Huh. Never realized that, but you're right. Why yeah. is that funny to you? Uh, it's just ironic that that could be taken literally once you see him survive. Like maybe he did make a deal with God. Yeah. Like he's this horrible person. He's done terrible things, but he made a deal with God and he made it out. So hmm. alien three was just a metaphor for the rapture. 
Maybe. <laughs> uh, when you said that you loved the characters and the environment in that, what did you mean by that? I loved how like gr- gritty the the prisoners mm-hmm. are in that film. Yeah. They just like you can tell that they have this whole religious aspect going, but then just under the surface, those terrible people that they really are. Yeah, is, they're all is, murderers is, and rapists that they're trying to reform. But I, I agree. Yeah, they also had really good character development on each one of them. It wasn't like. Nobody was really kind of ham fisted in there as far as their characters went. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously some background characters and whatnot, but like some of them, I was really sad to to see die. Especially the one guy who, um, remember that there's the one scene where they're going POV and the guy looks through the window and the mouth shoots through the the door mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. and it like breaks his head open like a pineapple. Yep. I was like, no, <laughs> you know, just, but um, the funny thing is like, I, I don't know any of the characters by names, but I know them all by face, you know? And I don't know if that's, yeah. if that was intentional or not, but it's like, they all had a very distinctive sort of look about them. They're all these bald guys, but they all acted in, in certain ways to made them distinct from each mm-hmm. other. And uh, you know, just, it's really cool, like a motley crew, and then trying to see these terrible people come together at the end to try and fight this alien and them just getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It was like you talk about a plan not working out at all. But yeah. do you remember why you wanted that one character to live? Uh I didn't want him to live. Oh. <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> care I didn't care what happened to that guy. He was a coward. But um the one guy I wanted to live was the guy that got his face broken open. That's the guy I'm talking about through the door. Oh, uh, he was just sympathetic. He just, he seemed like he was somebody who either learned his lesson or like maybe he was even wrongfully there. He just seemed like the type of person who he wanted to help everyone and uh, he was down for the good people and trying to Mm -hmm. accomplish their goals. So he was one of the few good people in the cast. Yeah, exactly. He was one of the few good people in the cast. He never he never gave anyone like shit. He was always on the side of uh, Ripley. So, you know, he's uh, and, and he was funny, too. I think when the alien pulls <laughs> when the alien pulls the like uh, wh- whoever the warden guy, when the alien pulls him into the vent and like, d- you know, you just see stuff falling out of the vent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the guy's like, fuck. Because <laughs> you know, like he, yeah. he was right next to him at the time, he's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like that is, uh, him. is he the same one when they were corralling it through the different hallways? He's like, "This thing is really pissed off." I think so. Yeah, that that might have been the same guy, but I, I don't yeah. I don't fully remember who said that at the mm-hmm. time. But it, it might have been him. But he was a pretty funny. He was a pretty funny character, and he was like mm-hmm. he was likable, and he seemed to be actually trying to do something good as opposed to a lot of the other people who were just sort of super evil, and, but they were afraid of the preacher guy. You know? so, so you're following the, the horror morals is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So jumping back down to the teen years, uh, I'm guessing you participated in Halloween as teen. Um, you had mentioned that uh, guy that hits Pikachu and with a pan as being your last thing. So I'm guessing that was more done in the teen years. Um, did yeah. you have any favorite costumes uh, in the teen years? Uh, I, I kind of dropped out uh, from super wearing costumes. I, I mean, I would wear something every now and again, but it would be just sort of slapped together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, after, after I fell out of it, I became more along the lines of the guy who got into decorating and stuff like that. than okay. somebody yeah. putting on a costume. What kind of decorations did you do? Uh, just you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> I, 
dead bodies, things on yeah. fire, skulls, lots and okay. lots of skulls. Let's just say I liked it to look very realistic. <laughs> oh, okay. Then here's a question. You ever have the cops called on you for your decorations by mistake? I, I have not. I have not. Thank goodness. New life goals. Okay. So you had, you had mentioned that uh, you didn't have any friends or family or crew that were into horror. So we can skip that. Um, any reoccurring dreams in your teenage years? No, reoccurring dreams are, are not something I had very much of. Only that one when I was younger. Okay. I had vivid dreams, but just nothing that came back to me again and again and again. Okay. Anything? Wait, there is one. There is one. Yes. There was this one where I, where I was, and this was just a brief one, and it happened to me a number of times, where I was in an hourglass. Uh, I was inside of an hourglass, and I would slip off the top tier and fall down. And before hitting anything, I would wake up. That's it. That's about the only reoccurring one hmm. I had. Slip off the top tier and fall down is in like in the top container and you would slip through to the bottom container. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, there, it was just darkness down there. It wasn't sand or anything, but uh, the glass was just so slick and I couldn't I couldn't keep my footing. And I would always eventually fall down into the to sure. the lower tier of the something that you were constantly running late for that you were afraid you were going to run out of time on. <laughs> I have no yeah, idea. Maybe. I mean, the other thing that you said was the darkness at the bottom. That could also be something. Yeah. Uh, anything in real life that that scared you in your teenage years? No, my teenage years were pretty bland. I had uh, I had a pretty good amount of friends in my teenage years, so you know nothing really okay. super bothered me. I did move a lot, but I was you know I was in that phase where you could make fr- friends pretty easily still. And then, so the next question doesn't kind of apply, which would have been you know whether or not that affected you in any material way, but no. All right. So, um, I mean, so far, if we were to summarize before going into adult years, I think, um, you know, the, the common themes that I'm hearing so far are um, monsters and coming t- and, and the fear of maybe what's within coming to terms with it. Um, does that sound accurate so mm-hmm. far? Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you would think w- is more accurate? Yeah, my my younger years were coming were pretty much like you said. It's just coming to terms with this feeling that I was a monster and learning how to live with that and also better myself, even though I thought that lowly of myself. And horror helped you do that in some way. Horror was my escapism. <laughs> Rather than be a serial killer, I could watch serial killers. Mm. There you go. It's safe. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't see it as like instructional in terms of how to help you be not to not be that thing. Yeah. No, I never really had. I never really had the desire to go out and kill people. I kind of value life too much, but you know, when you're young and you're angry, you got to have some way to kind of blow off all that steam from all the bad stuff that's happened to you. And that, that sort of gave me the feeling of, you know, that release sort of that I needed when I was angry about things. Right. And I didn't necessarily mean it literally. I mean, more metaphor, metaphorical, like you're saying about, um, you know, not going out and killing people, but wanting to let off steam. Um, okay. Jumping into adult years, then uh, what were some of the scariest uh, stories or books or movies that you've come across in your adult years? Man, just nothing, you know, after the grudge and the ring, nothing has super scared me. 
Okay. I never kind of recaptured that uh, feeling of of uh, ominous terror from a movie. I I enjoy horror movies like greatly okay. still, but so that's like the flip side of the coin. So let's talk about that then. What what have you enjoyed in horror in your adult years? Oh, uh, just a, a lot of a lot of different stuff. That, you know, as computer graphics become more prominent, I would say that I enjoy the more practical effects better. Okay. So mm-hmm. I find myself watching a lot of more independent horror, like the movie, the void, you know, or psycho gore yeah. man or whatever movies that, uh, you know, obviously they may still use some special effects, but there's a heavy focus on making things real. Mm-hmm. The blood mm-hmm. is real. The, uh, monster effects are real and stuff. Um, cause CG just doesn't, it doesn't have a lasting quality. Like no matter no. how good it is, it's yeah. never good enough to be scary. Like real physical objects will still be real physical objects decades later. Whereas yeah, computer technology is outdated two weeks. From well, now. it's funny that you, yeah, I remember when it's I was, funny that you talk okay. about, you know, practical effects being more scary, but at the same time you're saying it doesn't scare you. So maybe it's not that it scares you, but it's just more realistic, I guess. It's more realistic yeah, as it feel like it feels real. Like the uh, mm-hmm. a CG feels like, you know, you're playing a tabletop. It breaks game. you out of the, then, the, what's the word? Um, willing suspension of disbelief. It breaks yes. you out of that. C- CG, uh, CG is sort of like a tabletop game. Whereas, uh, it, you know, just like claymation was claymation would sort of take me out of it in the past mm-hmm. too, a bit, you know, especially if it was done poorly. Yeah. Like heaven help me with that scene in Hellraiser two with the fingers opening up that looked terrible, mm. and that brought me right out of feeling afraid of Mister Doctor Kill or whatever his name was. <laughs> but um, CG always kind of had that hollow sort of feeling to me, you know. Like, but then you have something uh, like practical effects, and I would call that more like LARPing. You know, <laughs> it's like it's real, it's physical. People are hitting each other with foam weapons. Of course, uh, it's not real, but it's really it's there. People are really doing this to each other. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's not that I'm into LARPing. I, <laughs> I would rather do tabletop gaming because, you know, but... Um, <laughs> but you understand it as an analogy. Yeah, I understand it as an analogy. Right. You know, the first thing that popped into my head when you said that, though, was I think I saw some behind the scenes making of of uh, Braveheart when it was out and they showed how in the battle scenes they would use these large uh, warhammers that were like a, just a, a huge rock on the end of a stick. And it was a giant piece of foam that they could soak the tip of in fake blood so that they would just pummel somebody with this soft foam mallet and it would explode. blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that they were doing LARPing first to uh, to practice. <laughs> it kind of was. It was LARPing on camera, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to run the different cycles, choreograph the, uh, the dress rehearsal. Oh, yeah, that too. Without the blood in it, because then you don't want to ruin the costumes yet. Yeah, or waste the blood. Shit's expensive. Yeah. Um, OK, so uh, you weren't scared by um the void or psycho Gorman, it was more of a excitement or enjoyment. Yeah. Any others? That's sort of how I view horror in general. Now it's just enjoyable. Okay. Yeah. There are more real life things to be afraid of. Yeah. I want to, I'm trying, I'd like to dig more into the enjoyment of it. I'm thinking there might be a better, uh, descriptive word for the emotion that you feel other than like a riding a roller coaster. 
Okay. Uh, you know, when you get on that roller coaster, you're probably going to be okay by the end of it, but it's still kind of a thrill to get on that roller coaster and ride it to the end. You know, you're going to go, you're going to feel emotions. They're going to rise and fall. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you get the release of being off of it and you have the endorphins of feeling good from right. it. Yeah. Like you say, it's even when you're riding your roller coaster, you're, you're probably going to be okay. There is some small risk. <laughs> because <laughs> things things do sometimes happen on a roller coaster um yeah and and i would like to think you know with movies every now and again there might be something in there that might stick with me after it's all mm. over maybe one day again i'll experience that fear true. like from the ring or the grudge mm. or whatever and that's sort of the the risk of watching a horror movie like is this going to affect me deeply mm. and i you know part of you is, you know, you're braced for that because it has in the past, you know, just like people have heard stories about roller coasters falling off the tracks and everyone dying. So, mm-hmm. so why, why do you want to feel that something again that you felt with a grudge? Because uh, it's a thrill. It's like, why do people skydive? You know, it's like you, you might die, but at the same time, it's going to be a thrilling story to tell people at the end, just like how I look back on, mm. Like how I look back on, you know, being scared to death of mirrors Mm -hmm. (laughs) for an entire year. (laughs) Like that wasn't a small portion of my young life. I was terrified (laughs) of mirrors. And and now I look at it and I'm like, that was a fun time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I got traumatized, but in the best possible way. (laughs) Right. It's a harmless trauma. Yeah. I don't know if that one's come up or not, Steve. Um, Mm -hmm. Bragging rights as a reason for being interested in anything horror? Like saying that you survived the the terrifying experience well i i was kind of separating two different things and you guys might be putting them back together Uh, when i said why do you want to feel that way again i didn't mean the feeling of the roller coaster and the the possibility that you might feel uh a legitimate fear like he did with the grudge of the ring i was talking about the legitimate fear that he felt with the grudge of the ring why would you want to feel that again Mm. oh uh because it as far as I know, it's survivable. Right. And that kind of ties in with what, where that conversation did end up going. Um, like I say, it's, yeah. um, if I thought, if I thought my life was going to be in any form of for real danger, you know, then I probably wouldn't want to re-experience that. But because I've already experienced it a few times and survived, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, I wouldn't mind feeling paranoid for a few months. You know? <laughs> like, okay. Let's see where that road goes. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> it's kind of hard. I guess it's sort of a nostalgia thing, you know, in, in, a, in a way it's like you, you, you don't get that feeling many times in life. And when you do get it, you know, it's kind of like something to be remembered because generally you're going to, you know, only have it for so long and it's going to go away. And, uh, you know, so like in my life, how many times has that happened? You know, like two or three times, you know, in, in, 36 years. So not very, not very often. You know, this is kind of reminding me of something, uh, as you were talking about this, I was also thinking to myself that it's also kind of similar, at least, you know, from my own perspective, being older now and feeling the same way, even about things like love, you know, like remember when we were kids and the first time we fell in love, like love doesn't feel, does, doesn't hit the same today as it did when we were 12, 13. And it reminded me of a quote by, one of my favorite authors, Joseph Campbell professor. Uh, and he, he said, uh, and uh, you can agree or disagree. Um, but one of the things that he said that I liked was 
a lot of people ask, um, ask me about, you know, what's the meaning of life or say that they're looking for the meaning of life. And he said, I don't think people are looking for a meaning for life. I think what people are looking for is to experience the feeling of being alive. Yeah. And that kind of might tie back with that. Yeah. See, the thing about me is I'm a little different. So experiencing emotion at all is a, is a bonus for me. When, Mm. when you say love for me as somebody who's had kind of a jilted experience with emotions because of my rough upbringing Mm. and never being shown proper emotions, Mm. love to me is loyalty. Right. Mm. Uh, I've never experienced the goo goo. My heart is pounding kind of love that maybe some other people have. Uh, I love my wife. I do. And, you know, but when I say that it's because I, I like her being around. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I care for her. I care for our child. Uh, I would never want anything bad to happen to them and I'm always going to be there for them. But I don't Mm -hmm. know that I've ever felt in my entire life for anybody. And I don't know if I'm capable of feeling what it is that people refer to as this uh, head over heels in love thing Mm. that I've heard about, you know? So the, the whole heart pounding and racing and all that kind of stuff, like, I don't know. I I just don't think I've ever experienced it. And maybe because I'm damaged, I, I can't experience it, Mm. but I can do things the best I can, you know what I mean? Mm. Right. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. I still kind of think it ties in though, because even if it's even if, even if you're not feeling uh, that emotion, there's this other emotion that you do feel when you watch those moving movies and you experience those things. And where th- that quote was going is saying that feeling anything is really the experience of being alive. You know, whether it's yeah, good or maybe bad. that's why I'm so fond of horror because it makes me feel right. something. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it yeah. could be. Um. Just to uh, ask a couple of the uh, same questions here for adulthood, I'm, I'm guessing you no longer dress up for Halloween. I do every now and again, but it's stupid stuff. You know, like <laughs> last year, last year I was the uh, business casual knight. I had a knight helmet and a great sword mm. and I was wearing business casual clothes. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this year I didn't get to anything, unfortunately, but I did decorate pretty good. Any least favorite costumes same. of the uh, adult years? They're all about the same. <laughs> 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 hate them all equally well in a, in a year of lack of costumes but decorating same situation here uh, i wonder did you get any trick-or-treaters i never get trick-or-treaters i always put <laughs> out everything just because i enjoy the holiday but mm. n- nobody ever comes down my street uh Aww. this uh the a a raccoon did come and <laughs> so, well, at least someone and, enjoyed. And he the was candy. wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, I came. Yeah, I came out. So I uh, my my uh, camera in front of my house kept going off the motion sensing camera. I'm like, what's going on? You know, it's like there's no children out there. So I like deactivated. I'm like, you're going crazy, right? Anyway, the next day I get up and I'm looking at the footage and you see this little dark mask going, reaching up, getting candy and like breaking the Halloween eggs open and eating the candy out of them. They made somebody happy. Um, anything in your adult life that has legitimately scared you? Oh yeah, there have been plenty of stuff in my adult life that's legitimately scared me. Um, if you want to talk about like supernatural stuff, sure. There's one event 
that I that I talk to people about because this can be corroborated by a lot of different people. So uh, in my adult life, the first place I owned was a trailer. And I got it from this Spanish family um, because my grandmother had kicked me out. So I bought this house from them and I, me and my wife and my friend James all fixed this place up. So that way we can make it livable. Uh, the, I, was, I was living next to my friend James because he let us stay there after my grandmother kicked us out. And I got the place next to him and figured, you know, hey, he's my good friend. I'll stay next to him and, you know, we'll fix this place up, maybe sell it eventually, whatever. Uh, so we did, we did fix it up. And, uh, the, the thing was when we were staying with my friend James, one night we were all watching TV and in the mirror that showed all of us that was next to the television, we saw some black thing move behind us from in the room to out of the room. And we all verified, we we're like, you guys saw that, right? There was like somebody wearing like black clothes that just moved behind us. So we all got up and we looked around the house. Nobody was in the house. And uh, that was me, my wife, James, and his wife. And then the next time we had all our computers set up in one room. There's four computers. We were all in there doing our various computer things. And it walked right through the room. <laughs> and we all saw it like right Saw it in the mirror or saw it in real life? No, no. We all saw it like a person walking through the room. Wow. Yeah. It was just a person walking through the room, a person wearing black rags. And so we started referring to him as the rag man. He had, uh, he has black hair, uh, white skin. You can see this much detail and Mm -hmm. black ragged trench coat. And, uh, after that, we thought it was pretty much over. Right. So we went to the other place, we fixed it up and then we started seeing him at the other place. And the more we saw him around, the worse our attitudes became. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if there was a correlation, if he was causing that or whatever the case was, but he was around more and we were getting in more and more of a foul mood. So, uh, we would just see him out of the corner of our eye. One time I saw him just standing in a room, all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, would just, you know, seeing him around would, would happen. And my friend James, uh, was a Wiccan, uh, and he said, let me go in there. I know a cleaning ritual. Let me clean your house out. Right. So he went in there and he went to go clean it out and we went outside and waited And he starts going from room to room, doing whatever he's doing. And then he comes outside. He comes outside and he's like holding his face. And we're like, what happened? And he's like, I went to go in your room and the door slammed on my face and nearly broke my nose. He says, I thought you were playing a joke on me or if there was somebody else in the house. But he says, and the door was difficult to open and close. There's no way. There's no gust of air, no nothing that could do it. It was The floor was uh, not the correct height after we had to work on it. Uh-huh. So it dragged on the floor a little bit. And he said that door slammed so hard in his face that it nearly broke his nose. So he gave up on trying to cleanse the house after that. Uh, a bit later, Eileen went over to her friend's house. Uh it's, it was a couple at the time. They weren't married yet. And she went to go use the restroom at their house. 
she had talked to them about the ragman, but didn't really give any specific details about him. When she came out of the bathroom, they looked shocked. And it was uh, Steve and his girlfriend. And she's like, what's what's going on here? And they they said, you know, the ragman, does he look like this? And he described the ragman as we saw him. And apparently he walked through the house while Eileen was visiting them. And uh, they were really freaked out by it. Anyway, shortly thereafter, we got away from the house. We moved, uh, we got rid of the house and we, we moved away from it. But that was, that was a terrifying time because when you're accustomed to dealing with spirits and stuff, here's, here's the trick. You just open windows or doors or whatever. And you say, I want you to leave. Nobody wants you here. You know, I don't have to be mean about this, but you need to leave because you're affecting us. Whatever the case is, you can ask or tell spirits to leave. And when you say earnestly and nobody else in the house is opposing that sentiment, generally the spirit will leave. Nothing we could do got rid of this thing. And that's a terrifying concept. So um, when we moved, fortunately, it did not follow us. You know, it's, 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 it, it, once again, much like I said with the whole uh the grudge and and uh, the ring. This was a level of spirit I had never dealt with, and it was sort of the realization of they they can be bad, and they can you know not leave when you ask them to. So mm-hmm. there is was, another uh, side, yeah, yeah. So that was that's the only time I've ever experienced anything quite like other, that. But it was uh, it was terrifying. Other than the door slamming, every other every other time you mentioned him, uh, it sounded like he was just kind of either standing and hanging out or walking through a room. Was there any other uh, things that was more interactive? No, no, he was not. He was kind of hands off for the most part. I guess he just didn't want to be kicked out of the house. Yeah. I was going to say, it kind of makes sense because your friend was doing a cleansing of the house. So that makes, it makes sense that he would have more of a reaction. Yeah. He cleansed the whole house except for that room. And when he got to that room, that was was your last place. Yeah, it was our yeah. bedroom. <laughs> that was his. That was his last. Uh, yeah, imagine that. It's our bedroom. You're gonna. I'm gonna be happy sleeping in there, right? right. <laughs> but, um, but that was his last area that needed to be cleansed, and he he injured the person going to to cleanse the room. So, but uh, the normal follow up question to you know if anything actually terrifying has ever happened in, in a particular phase of your life is to ask has that affected uh, your present life in any way? Um, I mean, it sounds like you said that you moved away and um, it doesn't sound like anything lasting has happened due to that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it was a bad time over there, but once I realized that the world could be normal again, and this thing was going to leave us alone, you can only be scared for so long about stuff. And, you know, frankly, I've experienced so much trauma in my life that it's like, (laughs) Like I could get over that if I could get over the other, the actual real world things that have physically affected me and stuff, mm-hmm. I can get over that pretty easy. Okay. Um, the real world stuff you're talking about, there is stuff we've already talked about or other stuff that you wanted to add. Yeah. It's just family stuff, you know, just mm-hmm. bad parenting and you have bullies and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Nothing overly, you know, complicated just what a lot of experience a lot of people have probably experienced in their lives mm-hmm. uh you know it's like uh it's, i don't know like i said that's why i always tried to be better in my life because i was never given better so you know when you have parents that make your life harder and try to tell you you're retarded and 
all this kind of stuff. Like my mother would literally tell me to lie to people on tests to make it look like I was dumber than I was because she wanted me to fit some kind of mold Hmm. that she had for me. And my dad was ultra religious and I wasn't, and that didn't please him. So therefore I, you know, I never got the easy end of the spectrum with him either because Hmm. I was, uh, I consider myself a Christian, but, uh, I would never be one that's good enough to be what he wanted me to be in life. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, that's why I don't push anything on my daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I let, I'm going to let her be the person she grows up to be and just give her the best possible start. Right. Nice. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so coming into the home stretch here, the last couple questions that we like to ask, these are not related to horror specifically or any particular time in your life. They're more, overall questions. Um, and I'm going to give you two questions at the same time because the answer could be the same or could be different answers. Um, but the two questions are, what is, what would you say is your favorite movie and what movie have you watched more times than any other? Uh, because I have such a deep bond with the Tetsuo film series, I would say all three of those movies, or if I had to choose one, it would be the first one. Okay. Just because it got me through a hard time in my life. It helped me understand that there are other people out there who experienced something like what I've been through and it helped me cope with my reality at the time. Okay. So that would probably be my favorite film Mm. and probably the one I've watched the most. Hmm. That's difficult. (laughs) Mm. Probably the thing John Carpenter's the thing I've, I've watched that movie so many times because it's, it's just such a good movie and you could have it on in the background or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's good entertainment and it's comforting <laughs> for some reason. It's, it's a comforting movie okay. to have on. Yeah. It's got that nostalgia feel to it. Is that why it's comforting yeah. for you or? I mean, I, I'm not rooting for the monster, the, uh, the, <laughs> the thing to win, but, uh, it, it's like the way I view that movie is like, a a cup of cocoa, you know? Yeah. Like, just warm cocoa. That's how I think of, <laughs> that's how I think of that movie for some reason. Uh, it's not my favorite John Carpenter movie, but it's the one that I, you know, if I'm going to just pop something on, mm. that's probably going to be my go-to film. I never get tired of it. So yeah. that's, that's one thing too. It's, I never watched that movie and I'm like, Oh, this movie again. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how it can do that. I've never, <laughs> but, but somehow it, it manages to have not bored me after 36 years. You mm. know? <laughs> Yeah. Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, paranormal, monsters, uh, body horror. I, ah. I really enjoy body horror. And you could see that from Tetsuo, the Iron Man body horror yeah. everywhere in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see that from the thing. I enjoy the body horror in that movie. Like no. if you say body horror, you got my attention. <laughs> have uh, you seen there, Possessor? I haven't seen Possessor yet. Is there good body horror in that film? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to check it out. I thought that was just sort of like a, uh, like the matrix, but like with a killer, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was under the impression that that was, that was what the film was like. It's more like John Malkovich meets inception meets murdering people meets Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. So what is it like that you like about the body horror more than the monsters? Uh, I, I, it's more impactful. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's more grotesque that something is actually happening to somebody rather than uh, something gruesome is chasing somebody, you know? Right. Like it's more personal because you it's see more it personal. to uh, yeah. a body. Okay. Like what if that happened to me kind of thing? Um, I think I know the answer to this one anyway, but I'll ask anyway and let you answer. Do you have any idea why it is that you like those things? I guess it would have to do with my view of myself as a monster. How does the, how does the body horror tie in with you being a monster? Well, it's, it's like a disease, you know, you feeling that way, like you're a demon and the best you can do in life is to try and overcome your own nature to do good. And it's mm-hmm. like a disease that's on you and that you always have to treat, you know? Hmm. So it, I, it's very metaphysical in that sense, I guess. But, you know, it's like when you've been told your whole life that you're, you're bad, mm. <laughs> And all you've done is seek to do good. And it's like, it's almost like this badness clings to you. And it's like a disease Mm. that Uh, the fact that you even consider yourself a monster in the first mm. place, you know, that's, that's a a good uh, assessment. I guess you could say I, I was actually going in a different direction, but kind of going back to something you mentioned earlier, you had mentioned uh, that body horror is more grotesque. And I I thought that was going to tie in with what you said about, um, uh, you know, seeking something that's going to make you feel something. Um, but it, I could see it both ways that maybe there's, there's these two things in conjunction that both uh, bring you to liking body horror. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's like, like I said, with, uh, with horror in general, uh, it's really, it's really just about that thrill ride making me feel, you know, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, down to the last two questions here. The second, to last one is, is there anything else that could trigger those kinds of emo- emotions? Um, and if so, then why do you prefer horror? And where I'm going with that is in your case, I don't know because I'm thinking about, um, you know, the, the monster part of it, but in terms of strong emotions, um, other examples that we've given in the past are things like, you know, uh, action movies like cliffhanger. You know, if you, if you're looking for thrills, there are other ways to get thrills than horror. Or if you're looking for intelligence, uh, you know, good writing, sometimes sci-fi, you could get that or strong emotions. Cause it'll also be rom-coms depending on what you're into. But you know, like what is it that you're getting out of horror that you don't feel you get out of other genres? You know what I mean? I can relate to living a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it's uh, like I said, it's almost like an escapism for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, when you've lived and you've suffered and you've suffered and you've suffered abuse and bullying and uh, all the, all these terrible things and being constantly told that you're less than everyone else. Right. Your whole life. And then you want to be better. But you have this stigmatism that there, you know, it's you. You go into uh, like a horror movie, and it's just you feel it almost like a manifestation of you know yourself. And uh, that's why, in a lot of cases, you almost root for the you know dumbass teen to be chopped into pieces or whatever, <laughs> because it's like that's a satisfaction that you know you've never been able to feel yourself because you're not. You know, I I know people who have lived in situations less bad than mine that have gone on to be 
terrible people who have done terrible things, you know, it's, but once again, good and bad, it, it all comes down to the choices you make. Yeah. It's not what happened to you. It's what you do with it. Exactly. It's the lessons you take away from it, but it doesn't hurt to get a little stress relief by having some snotty kid get chopped up in a horror (laughs) movie. You know, that's not going to hurt anyone. You get into some enjoyment out. You know, uh, (laughs) vengeance isn't a word that has come up into this until this moment. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, Personally, I wouldn't seek revenge uh, revenge on anyone or anything like that. I'm about letting everything go and letting the past lie. Mm. Uh, But seeing someone else get vengeance is entertaining. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Seeing somebody else do that, that that is. See, this is two vastly different aspects of my personality. You know, the indulging in horror and the, the, you know, the fantasy and stuff like that. But then there's the real me who... (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm actually a very chill person and, you know, I'm not into getting revenge and, you know, life's too short to be angry about stuff. So I just try to move on with uh, everything that has happened to me. And I don't, you know, I don't dwell on it. I got a life now, a family, I got responsibility, you know, I got dreams and hopes that I'm chasing and all of that is bigger than anything that I've went through in the past. But on the other hand. Uh, on the other hand, I like to feed that beast every now and again by dipping into a horror movie and let myself go, you know? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's vicarious schadenfreude. Mm. There you go. Now, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> There's uh, an author named Robert Bly that uh, I watched an interview with once where he was talking about um, desire and how for, at least in his experience, um, part of being an adult is recognizing that often there is some sort of desire that an individual has that will never be, um, uh, I don't want to say satiated. That's not really the right word, but, uh, resolved. Um, and, and the desire is different for every person, but coming to terms with understanding that there's this thing that I want and it's never going to happen. Um, and it's okay. Um, but just the, the grappling with that and, and successfully grappling with it, that it defines their capacity to be an adult, um, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's part of part of the growing process. Just like there's a, uh, you know, childhood, early childhood development. There are also, and it doesn't get talked about a lot, but there's also adult development too. And this is part of it. Exactly. Yes. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Um, Last question. Considering the theme of the podcast, is there anything relevant that you're aware of that we haven't asked about or we haven't talked about? Not really. I mean, I uh, <laughs> I don't think about myself that much. So, like, mm-hmm. even if even if there was something that got brushed over, I wouldn't. No, but I mean, if there was something that came up in your mind as we were talking, but you didn't get a chance to say. No, no. Okay. Um, well, I mean, all all part of this too could be. You know, the manifestation of things could be, I wanted to be a specifically a horror movie director. Mm. And maybe that could be a manifestation of my creativity and the things I felt like I actually want to get my hands into that world and create my own work of horror and get that out so people mm-hmm. can understand part of me that's hidden deep down. Mm. Uh, you know, a part of me that will never surface in reality, but mm-hmm. could come out in the work of my creation. So... Uh, you know, I, I don't think we broached that subject, but that's why I like doing these short horror films. And I'm actually currently working on a comic book that I'm going to eventually get out if I get the funding. Mm. Actually, it's funny that you brought Same that here. up because that has come up in other calls. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
at least my personal view is that our interests in being creators, uh, whether it's director, producer, writer, uh, artist, I almost feel like the, the desire for the artist is almost secondary to all the things that we've talked about because the things that we've talked about are like the, the ground level, the base foundation that everything else is built on. And then if you then want to be an artist, because that, that part is, I don't want to say it's optional or, um, uh, a choice, but it doesn't always happen. Not everybody becomes an artist, but, but if you do become an artist and you want to create things out of the, off of that foundation, it's still coming up off of the foundation of the stuff that we've talked about. So you're right. I didn't address your desires as an artist. Um, honestly, that was intentional and we didn't spell it out. Um, but that was, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, some, you know, that's why they say like tortured artists and stuff like that, because a lot of art is derived from, you know, our experiences and our desire to express ourselves and be understood on a sort of a deeper level, much like, what uh, Shinya Tsukamoto did. Right. <laughs> See, it all comes back to him. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that I, I've enjoyed, at least about these conversations that we've had is, and I don't know how much of what we've talked about, it sounds like you were fairly um, up to speed on, on your influences and the things that you've obviously lived through in your own life. But, you know, there are people that we've talked to that, you know, we've gone through this kind of interview process. And at the end of it, they're like, you know what? I didn't really realize how much these things impacted uh, my direction in life. Um, And in your case, it sounds like you do, um, which is cool. Um, And the other reason that we're doing this is to try to create sort of a, a a database, you know, to have good data, you have to have a lot of a large sample size, but to understand why people like horror, you know, you got to talk to a lot of people and, and come to their particular reasons. And in your case, it sounds like, you know, if we're going to summarize the call, it was, you know, like you were saying about, you know, seeking to do better and be better and coming to terms with your past and, and the things potentially that could be inside of you or could be inside of anybody um, in your goal to be better. Um, and then there are other things that also, I think kind of tie in with that, like your artistry and, um, and the body horror and, um, your, and also your desire for anything that you were saying, uh, enables you to feel a strong emotion, um, again, but it also ties back into the same kinds of things. Um, so I think we got a pretty good answer for you um i hope you would agree yeah yeah no i think that about covers it (laughs) (laughs) well good um well thank i I had a good time talking to you guys yeah likewise uh so i'll go ahead and jump right into the closing thank you and thank uh thank all the listeners out there um please do come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com we've got a list of people there that we have interviewed people we'd like to interview uh if you can get us in touch with any of those people please do if you want to see somebody added to the list list let us know uh <clears throat> there are links to our social media pages on there we're also going to have a bio for uh ash and jackal here and on on the page and we'll link to a couple things for him um yeah, just come let us know how we're doing. Horrormixeshappy.com. Oh, and um, congrats to the contest winners. Oh, the, yes. Uh, thank you. I almost forgot. Uh, let's see. Rachel Venn and Danielle Eduardo, I believe it's pronounced, um, were the, uh, yeah. the winners of our Halloween contest. Yay. Halloween contest. Woo. <laughs>